coach. Oh, still coach, that is. Coach Ed Ogeron of the LSU Tigers. And look, I want to say right now, you know, we reached an agreement. You know, I wasn't getting it done all the way. You know, I think my, my coordinators is up and coming. My team is going to get there, you know. But Coach O took his eyes off the prize, you know. I mean, I've been plowing blondes, you know, and getting crunk and all. And, uh, you know, and just um, went up to the Nelson New Standards this year. But um, it's what it is. You know, I get paid, baby. <laughs> I am Coach O, bitch. I got piles of money. I got stacks of money, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I might as well move to Bogalusa, you know, because I can get my own paper mill because I got so much paper. You know what I'm saying? I'm Coach O, bitch. We coming. I still got six games to whoop ass, and especially them boys at Northwestern or whatever the hell they is, not Northwestern. I already whooped them. What you call them? UL Monroe. Yeah, yeah. UL Monroe going down, baby, because I am Coach O, bitch. I am still Coach O. One team, one heartburn. Go Tigers. Warm it all up. Everything you got. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 71, Brood Parasite. I'm your host, Danny Belts, 20-11 and 11 ATS, 2-1 last week. We'll be sure and recap all that. We are going to address the Instagram updates regarding the records. There were some questions, and I'm glad questions were asked, because I will certainly be answering them. Washington State's head coach, Nick Rolovich, is out, if you haven't heard. We're going to have to talk about that, but not to... The massive extent the media has, but we have to touch base on it. The NBA just kicked off. Adam Silver got asked what he thought about John Gruden. That was interesting. I just talked about this last week. Uh, the circus lines in the NCAA, this most head-scratching lines I think I've ever seen. Uh, we have pictures of Joe Biden taking multiple boosters. Uh, Indiana starting to recruit Chicago cops. In-N-Out Burgers in a Warburst. San Francisco and a volleyball player in Kubal. Uh, was decapitated. We're going to play a little game, What Religious Affiliation Did This? Uh, It's a game show that I uh, made up. We're going to be playing that when it comes to what the terrible tragedy that just had. Not to make jest of it, but it's just to point out how obvious and ridiculous uh, certain things are. Futures report card next week. We're going to wait one more week for the futures report card. Two pro, five college. We'll be waiting on those. All looking pretty good. The worst case scenario, it's right on par. Georgia Tech but still uh, very winnable, uh, very winnable games uh, to come. Bro Exotic will be jumping on the show with Tommy Bench. I think Bro Exotic going to be jumping on, touching on something called South Left, a new airline, and Tommy Bench is going to be talking about, I don't know, nuclear missiles that can go like 10 times the speed of God or something. China, while we're over here trying to be woke in our military, China is just surpassing our military intelligence by the minute. And as they reverse engineer the things that they bought from the Taliban that we gave them, and China will cock, yes, just like the Taliban, per usual. Let's recap last week. So 2011 on the year, the games that we put on the board were the Navy over 55 against Memphis and Purdue plus the 11 and a half. Now Purdue plus 11 and a half at Iowa, Roughly one of the better bets of the year. Not the only one that sniffed out, ferreted that one out. Uh, never in jeopardy. They won outright. 
dominated the football game and basically put Iowa back where they belong. Unfortunately, I really thought that was a good story, but just a perfect spot for Purdue and a terrible spot uh, for Iowa in that situation. We lost the Navy over 55 in the Memphis game. Listen to this. There was 52 points in that game with four minutes left in the third quarter, and no one scored for the rest of the contest. For almost 18 minutes of actual game time, not one point. That was a horrible beat. At one point, this, the live total was at 74 and still failed to go on, uh, over 55, which is just ridiculous. I haven't had many bad beats this year. My, my losses have just been just bad. <laughs> but that one just really sucked. And then, of course, we said we're waiting on the Raiders uh, for a couple reasons. Number one reason waiting on the Raiders was because we knew we'd get a better line. And as they travel out there, you know, Denver, I think people thought that not having their coach would be a big thing. This is pro football. They won easily by double digits. They never trailed. Um, but we were getting an exit 1.5, which is why we waited, which brings me to my next point. And we did not put, we did not play the Bears. We said we were looking at it. The line didn't do as much as I thought, so we didn't play the Bears. I'm not going to make a separate post, and I'm glad I got called out on this because it means people are paying attention, and good, because we take the record very seriously on this show. We don't change it. We don't tout and do all this other stuff, sell picks and all this crap. Instead of making a new, a new post, Tommy Bench is no longer running the Instagram. Me and this other guy are, and I, I, you know, I hate social media, but we have to do it. And it's so funny how we got so fast to 1,500 followers on Instagram, having over 1,000 likes on our posts. Now we barely get 20, and we're losing about 10 followers a day. Isn't that just really just convenient? Anyhow, so what we're doing is, is when we know there's a lot of games this week that fall into the same category, when we know we're not going to play a game, yet because we're waiting for a better line, it's going to go on the Instagram post that the episode comes out on. I'm just going to edit it. I'll timestamp it if you want, but it makes no sense to make another post because then we overpost. So check the previous post and I'll put dot, dot, dot edited. I'll put the time, I'll timestamp when we do it. So anyone know, and everyone knows I, they didn't say I was monkeying around when I was doing it. They just didn't know where the posts were and I was reporting a win. So I get that. Look at the old post. And then that's where these games will be, no sooner than one to two hours, one hour minimum, but usually well before the games begin, unless something crazy happens. But it's always good to check that previous post if you're on Instagram, just for that reason. You should follow us at the Sports Antidote on Instagram, and be sure and follow your boy here, Danny underscore belts with a Z. Rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow this on any major platform. And reach out and touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote. Uh, but yeah, so check the old posts, and that's where the updates will come. And we treat this as strict as a pastor would the Bible. Uh, this is we don't mess with this record, so let's just keep that uh, in mind. Uh, pics of Joe Biden getting vaccinated. There's about five different pictures now of Joe Biden getting vaccinated now, and it's a montage in different clothes, in different settings. Although these fa- settings are all fake, as we find out. This is kind of like taking a fish, the same fish, and taking pictures of it at different like lakes with different clothes on. If you expect us to believe that this man's been vaccinated this many times with 86 boosters, by the way, who cares? I mean, who gives a shit, to be honest with you? It's just such insanity. Look at the most vaccinated countries now having the worst run of COVID, just like the most vaccinated states in this country particularly, uh, or in the universe. I mean, it, Israel, extremely vaccinated. So is New Zealand, Australia, big problems. CDC, just reading off their website. And then, of course, you know, locally here in our country, Vermont, per capita, the highest vaccinated, COVID out the ass. 
And these other states, it's just, these other states, just clearly the shutdowns did nothing. And I don't want to get too deep into that, but yeah, whatever. Be sure and wear a mask and all this other stuff. That's great. Um, in and out Burger. So the CEO of in and out Burger, Lindsay Snyder, she's second generation. So her grandfather started it and then she took it over from her parents. She's only 39. She's a few months older than me and she had some uh, problems with addiction. But she has done such a gr- amazing job with... In and Out Burger, much like the daughter, I forgot her name, the daughter, the granddaughter of the guy that started Yingling, the great granddaughter, how she really expanded it, brought the brewery down to Tampa, and thus it hits all the seaboards away from Pennsylvania now. And now it's basically dispersed around the country. Well, she kind of did the same thing with In and Out Burger. And right now, London Breed and Company, the mayor of San Francisco, are going to war with her because she doesn't want to be the vaccine police. She doesn't want to basically walk around her establishments and fire people for being vaccinated or or they don't want to have to hassle potential customers to see if they've been vaccinated, which makes perfect sense. But of course, in California, particularly in San Francisco, it does not. So now they're looking at closing In-N-Out Burgers, which is almost equivalent to like, like they they don't close. In-N-Out Burger is the West Coast version of Chick-fil-A. It runs like a machine and it is an amazing uh, outfit. And they're, inevitably, they're just they're going to win. They'll just go someplace else. So once again, California loses, London Breed loses, and San Francisco loses because they are losers. As I alluded to, uh, a volleyball player was beheaded in Kubal. Okay, was this an Irish nationalist that did this? Was it a crazy, southern, snake-wielding, Pentecostal, born-again Christian? Was it a someone from... Was it a chai cum or was it a muzzy? Okay, go ahead. Dun, dun, dun. It was a muzzy, okay? And this is what Muslims do. If a Christian pulled a stunt like this, it would be news for the UFOs swarming around in Pluto, let alone down here. But we don't care. We just we don't worry about it. Why was she decapitated? Because she didn't follow some certain guideline down there. So they just decided to remove her head and, and post it on, on social media. Great people. Great people, Al-Qaeda and, and, and company, aren't they? Uh, and, and speaking of great people, I have to go. Yeah, go ahead. Look, look that story up, too. Barely getting any news. Eh, just, you know what? Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks a lot for pulling out of there. Yeah, so now women can go back to what's used to happening over there. They just get slapped, raped, beheaded for no reason. That's fine. Whatever. Islam's the, you know, the religion of peace. <clears throat> should be the religion of pieces is what it should be. I'm sure someone said that before. I'm almost positive someone has been anyway. We'll get into what happened to Western uh, Washington State's coach and the assistants when it comes to white bitch of the week. But if you didn't know, they all got fired for not getting vaccinated. Sets a very ridiculous precedent, much like the John Gruden emails where just this is going to continue to come back and bite. It's going to bite their own people in the ass, um, as not to say history repeats itself or what goes around comes around. But in this instance, when the cancel culture becomes this absurd, uh, and this guy's he's he's not he's pretty woke if you didn't hear some of the, his beliefs he just doesn't like mandates and he's gone so he's not the only one he will get picked up pretty good coach and i hope they all get picked up uh in some fashion or another let's get into the crazy games here before we get into the brood parasite the subject of the week now there are some some of these games just make i i can't make sense of it we're going to have this new segment it's going to be called, I haven't really, we'll call it the X Games. No, we can't do that. But there's just some lines out there the last couple weeks that have just been as head-scratching as, as the X-Files themselves. Wisconsin is a three-point favorite at Purdue. 
what, what on God's green earth has Wisconsin done for them to be a favorite over a team like Purdue? I mean, obviously, this is Purdue or nothing. I mean, there's no way to get around it. But, I mean, this is the same Wisconsin team that gets dragged by anyone and everyone that has half a team, yet they're favored at Purdue. Oregon is a dog at UCLA. Top 10 team, a two-and-a-half point dog at UCLA. It's just like yesterday, Appalachian State opened up as a one-point favorite on Circa, and then everybody back Coastal Carolina. But Vegas was telling you who they thought the better team was, and if you didn't see, uh, Appalachian State had 200-plus more yards than Coastal Carolina, turned the ball over four times, still won, including one ridiculous turnover at the end of the game, and they gave the ball back to Coastal, but Coastal gave it right back, and then, of course, Appalachian State won the game. But that line just made no sense. NC State, minus three at Miami. Number 18, NC State. Can you make sense of this? I can't. At Miami? Miami's terrible, right? I have a feeling we'll be talking about that game. And the most head-scratching one of all, Oklahoma State, number 18 in the country, getting seven points at unranked Iowa State. Since the split and the BCS to the playoff era of college football, no team in the top 10 has ever gone on the road and been a seven-plus point dog. It is insane. So there is a lot of head-scratchers, a lot of head-scratchers, and I'm sure a lot of stupid people that are going to lose a lot of stupid money this week, and I hope I'm on that end to be collected. Anyway, what do we got here next? Brood parasite. What is a brood parasite? Well, it's probably one of the more fascinating occurrences in nature. It's brutal, but yet it's just all part of the game. Typically, a brood parasite is an insect, fish, or a bird, mostly birds. It could be classified as an organism that relies on others to raise their young. Um, you remember this, right? Here's a quick clip. Buck Nasty. Buck Nasty is nominated for getting his best friend's wife pregnant, then tricking his best friend into raising the little mother. Yeah, holla at your boy. It's one of the funniest skits ever. The player haters ball with the Chappelle show, and yet Patrice O'Neill and Charlie Murphy are no longer here. That's just sad. But if I had to get into a brood parasite, the number one example would be the cuckoo bird. A cuckoo bird, basically, this is what they'll do. The mom, and she knows what she knows, like they said, like tricking the mother and the raising the look. So basically, this is what a cuckoo bird does is they know what species of birds the eggs are similar there to. And they also have the same scent secretion to where, with certain species of birds, how stupid can you get, thus the term bird brain, they will raise the cuckoo bird's kid. So while the cuckoo birds should be foraging for food, building a nest, they just go procreate again. They just go party. They just go down. Yeah, they get another room at the hotel, open up a tab at the bar, open. They don't give a shit. While the other birds raise their kid. And it's so funny because after a few weeks, the cuckoo bird is so much bigger than the parents themselves. It almost looks like the cuckoo bird could eat the actual parents feeding it. Yet the cuckoo bird will eat the regurgitated, you know, insects from the two whatever birds are getting cucked, really getting brooded into raising the cuckoo bird's children while they go out and gallivant around and have fun. It's pretty insane. A cuckoo bird also instinctively knows to clear out the nest because he needs the room, so he will kick the other eggs out as well as young hatchlings. Kick them out. 
It is absolutely ridiculous. It could be classified as an evolutionary arms race, which is actually a term used in nature, and a lot of it has to do, at times, with the extinction of certain species. And so, in other words, let's just use for simple phrasing a blue jay. Let's say the cuckoo bird was able to just keep doing this to the blue jay, and then the young cuckoo in the nest kept kicking out the eggs and the, the eggs and the hatchlings. Eventually, blue jays would suffer in their numbers and be on the endangered list, or potentially go extinct. Thus, the term evolutionary arms race. If you get bored, Google that. Uh, very, very interesting term, and a very interesting just way of life in nature, and just shows how brutal or how mental. You know, nature actually is. There's a movie I just watched called Vivarium. Very interesting. A thriller. A horror thriller, suspense type. It's got um, Poots, the chick that she's in uh, 27 Days Later, the British film. And then the other guy, uh, Jesse Einsberg. He plays Zuckerberg in Facebook. Pretty good actor. And this movie basically, spoiler alert, it's kind of an independent film, but it encapsulates these this young couple in England that basically can't afford to live in the flat that they're in, but she wants to have a kid eventually. So they, they buy into this like crazy subdivision that's sold to them by this weird, weird-looking guy, and they soon find out they can't leave the subdivision. It's like Hotel California. A baby shows up on their, on their deck one day as they're delivered food. They realize they can't leave the subdivision, and they're forced to raise this kid who's an alien. Basically, the premise of the movie is is they get humans to raise these alien kids till they're big enough to get out of the house. They can leave the subdivision and go to Earth. But the humans are so worn out from raising someone else's kids, they die. Vivarium is an interesting movie. And a brood parasite is what these aliens were doing to us, or to the humans, particularly in England, uh, as this movie went on. Great movie, but a brood parasite is a real thing. And it's also a real thing in, in real life. And it's just tough to get away from this right now. And I know there's a lot of different opinions on it. And yes, you have your opinion on who should be LSU's next coach. And you'll be mad when they select. And you'll cuck, yes. But it doesn't matter. It's not up to you. There's a reason why it's not up to you. Because fans are stupid. Now, I'm not to say that all athletic directors are smart. I got into a back and forth with a drunk neighbor texting about, I don't, I really like teams, coaches from smaller schools or even the FCS course people argue with that going well, why are they in the fcs or in smaller schools what well, doesn't always work like this let's not forget that lane kiffin who is the ultimate brood parasite which we'll get into which i have no problem with i have no problem with but is the ultimate one and before i even get into this if you don't think that being the son of a major coach or assistant does anything for your career think again belichick's ugly son that looks like whatever his name is uh what not is it jesse Pinkman, yeah. He didn't even play football growing up. He was a rugby guy. He played rugby in college. His dad gave him a free job. Now he makes a bunch of money being the air quotes linebacker's coach. I'm sure he knows what he's doing, but it certainly helps growing up in the Belichick family all those years. Schottenheimer's kid, Shanahan's kid, even Morris' kid. And then the list goes on. But these people, I mean, when your dad's involved in something at an early age, you have a very, very great shot at landing something really good early because a lot of it is, a lot of the people assume you've been at that dinner table listening to this for 15 years. And the argument is, well, Monty Kiffin was a defensive guy. Yeah, I understand that, but I guarantee you great defensive minds like Monty Kiffin or even like Dave Aranda, 
It's impossible to know defense that well and not know offense. Don't think they couldn't reverse engineer things to be an offensive coordinator. I'm not saying Monty Kiffin and Dave Aranda want to hold a clipboard and be the next Mike Martz with the Rams in 2000. What I'm saying is that I'm certainly positive they could put together and they could explain offensive theory and strategies to somebody at a young age, which is definitely what happened to Lane Kiffin, who's a very interesting cat uh, all in itself. So let's take a look at Kiffin real quick and look at kind of his accomplishments, what he's done. So he he was a quarterback, pretty good quarterback, left early. You know, he knew he had to do the graduate assistant role, smart guy, started at Fresno, and then actually worked his way to Colorado State and eventually was the assistant quarterback coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he's still in his mid-20s at this point. It's a pretty good run for him. Then he gets to jump on USC as the tight ends coach, and the next couple of years he gets promoted to the wide receivers coach. Next thing you know, he's – Colin plays almost 2004 as the wide receiver coach and then promoted the next year to offensive coordinator and receivers coach. And I don't know if you remember what happened. USC, kind of a weird thing. He won some championships there, left, went to the Oakland Raiders. That was a disaster. 31 years old head coach. He got hired by Al Davis. The only younger person he hired that was the young John Madden at 30. And he didn't get along with Al Davis. Who really did? He goes back to, well, he goes to Tennessee. That's when the brood really started happening. As you know, wins seven games, leaves Tennessee, goes back to USC, has a couple, one good year, two mediocre years, embarrasses himself in something we'll talk about. But yes, he had to deal with sanctions. He was dealing with the Pete Carroll scandal, who just fled to Seattle like a coward, and yet nothing happened to him because he's woke. And then, as you know, he leaves, gets fired at the airport at USC, goes to Alabama, where he has wild success. But let's not lie to ourselves. Yes, he's a great play caller. No one's going to deny that. But calling plays for USC's offense when they had all those people on offense and then calling plays for Alabama when they went to the spread with all those receivers, running backs, quarterback, not exactly the most daunting task. So let's not act like he turned water into wine. Let's just be real. Then he goes to Florida Atlantic for three years. His first year, he recruits. The transfer portal does great. They win 11 games. His next year, he has no recruits. They have a losing record. Don't go to a bowl game. Then his next year, he gets all these other transfers back, wins 11 games. And then he leaves Florida Atlantic to go to Ole Miss last year. Now he's their coach this year, and here we go. Lane Kiffin. Certainly a better play caller, in my opinion, than a guy that should be wearing the headset. And we still realize that after the get your popcorn ready, toss in the headset, and then they get thugged. Thugged. <laughs> wow, probably going to get canceled for that. Drubbed uh, by Alabama. And yes, if Ole Miss had picked up some of these pivotal fourth downs early in the game, we could have had a better game, but we didn't. And what happened is what happened. It was a rout. There's a lot of things in Lane Kiffin's career I think he's learned from, one of which was in 2012 disrespecting Georgia Tech uh, down there in El Paso in the Sun Bowl where they showed up late to all these meetings. They showed up – sometimes they didn't show up to a dinner at all, showed up late like to the bowl committee down there in the Sun Bowl. We've talked about this. Um, You know, his departure, some of his going out on Friday nights, being seen out in South California before pretty big games, almost losing to Utah State, which actually led – to the firing at the airport uh, one week later. But the thing is, is that look at what Lane Kiffin's done, and you can see some accomplishments. A national championship at USC, uh, not the one uh, not the one where they didn't win the BCS, the one where they beat Oklahoma, that one. And then he had one as an offensive coordinator in Alabama, so he has some, he has some hardware. His record looks good, uh, certainly as a head coach, uh, even as a coordinator. But it's just amazing how a guy like this, without wild success is able to just keep getting raised by someone else's kids in another university. It is quite amazing. Florida International 
had to know they were raising an egg that was not theirs. I mean, come on. Even in the press conference, I mean, Lane Kiffin's like, I plan on being here for at least five to six years. I was like, yeah, try half that. And we all know he's not supposed to stay there. He's a talented guy. Ole Miss, he's the, a decent head coaching position. It's the, he's the, right now, Lane, Lane Kiffin is the 21st highest paid coach um, in college football. And right now, how interesting enough that LSU goes to Ole Miss to play them. And we'll talk about this in a second, but Lane Kiffin is close to now the odds on favor to be LSU's next coach, which sets up a very interesting game this week. I don't think Lane Kiffin's as much as a parasite like a tapeworm, as much as I just think, man, how many times is this dude going to be in someone else's nest, kick everybody out, and then just fly away? <laughs> and LSU fans that want him, I totally understand the excitement. I totally understand the recruiting capabilities and possibilities. And everyone's, well, I mean, his dad didn't get him all these jobs. you got to take into consideration. Lane Kiffin came from a pedigree. He's a tall guy. He's very presentable. He's a good-looking tall guy. That helps. I don't care what anybody says. He can hold court when he has to. He can speak. Very, he's a, he comes off as very charismatic, very likable. He sells himself extremely well. That's apparent by his resume. He didn't exactly bounce around from like, I don't know, Tulsa to Toledo to Arkansas State. He's played with some of the highest tier teams in the coach with some of the highest tier teams in the country. It's just amazing how not only can I say he always lands on his feet, he very well might be headed toward the LSU coaching job or just a few years ago. Was that Florida Inter- or Florida Atlantic? If I said Florida International before, excuse me. But it's just amazing how look at the amount of nests this dude's been through, come back to his old nest, and then leave to have someone else raise, his, raise him for him, only for life to be better for him. I'm not saying I hold Monty Kiffin accountable for him being in all these different nests, but thinking that he had nothing to do with the, the way and the fashion that Lane got to where he is, with very minor accomplishments prior to USC, he just sold himself well with the pedigree, and that's things were able to begin. Obviously, Pete Carroll liked him, and you had an ass ton of talent. I mean, receivers, running backs, and 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 quarterbacks went pro during that era while he was at USC. Regardless of how you feel about him or not, I don't care. They're getting drafted the first round, a lot of them. So I mean, it's not like he you know resurrected some bum squad. So I refuse to believe that. But obviously he sells himself well enough for Nick Saban to bring him into his nest, knowing that he's going to brood his ass. He's going to cuck and leave. Now, the terms of which they left on were very ridiculous. You remember Kiffin was like, I'm going to FAU. Saban said, well, that's fine. Get the F out. You can leave. And then Sarkeesian gets promoted before the championship game and all this. And then they bench, you know, Hurts for Tua. You know the rest. And Georgia cucks once again, per usual. Right now, James Franklin's plus 400 to be the next coach for LSU. That's a terrible move, as they're saying they want to hire a black coach. Let me throw this in there. I have no problem with LSU having an entire black coaching staff. But the minute that you say, like Kamala Harris, we want to have a woman of color as VP, you're not being inclusive. You're being exclusive. You're not including anyone because now you're excluding all white women and men. That is exclusive. By the definition, take it up with Webster. If you don't want to talk to me, go talk to the dictionary. I don't care. Don't get smart on my time. Get smart on yours. And right now by saying we want to hire a black coach, you're basically excluding Asians, potential Hispanics, whites, by saying, yes, we need this black coach. That is exclusion. There's nothing inclusive about that at all. By definition, Mel Tucker's next after Kiffin's 500, then Tucker's 500. I like Mel Tucker way more than James Franklin. Franklin's a race baiter that had some success at Vanderbilt, took it up to Penn State, where he hasn't done a goddamn thing, a goddamn thing, all right? He hasn't. They went to a big bowl and lost to USC. Congratulations with Trace McBorley, who was supposed to be Joe Montana. How's that going? 
anyway. And then after that, Jimbo, seven and a half to one. You can forget that. Napier from ULL, eight to one. Probably not. Aranda, I'd love to see Aranda come home at nine to one. Fickle at Cincinnati, 10 to one. And then Mark Stoops, 11 to one. We'll stop there. Those are the recent updates. Who's going to fill the position here? I don't know. But if Lane Kiffin were to come down here, God, it just reminds me of a cuckoo bird. And he'll just leave here to go to the next, even though LSU is one of the highest paying jobs in the country, one of the best recruiting grounds in the country. You really wouldn't want to leave here if you could. But you just never know. I mean, would this guy just go to the Rams if he could? He'd go coach the Rams if the other guy gets fired? I, mean, I don't care. It's America. Come and go as you please. But it's just there is a slight resemblance between a brood parasite, particularly what the cuckoo bird does, and what Lane Kiffin has done, and how instead of, instead of the cuckoo getting kicked out of the nest, they just continue to grow in the nest, get fed, and go get fat in another nest after that. It is quite unbelievable, to say the least. There are a lot of games on this docket this week. Like I said, they make no sense. There's some games that make a lot of sense. Some games that make some sense. Not quite sure. I'm not even sure where to start. But you're going to have to be checking. You're going to have to check the Instagram page. I'll tell you what's ones we're throwing up now. But I'm not going to get penalized for having a shitty line by putting it out now and getting screwed when game time comes. We're going to start with Western Kentucky. Okay. We haven't really touched these guys in a while. They finally had a game go under last week, but they easily covered versus Old Dominion, and Bailey Zappi went absolutely berserk yet again. Zappi has 2,623 yards on the season, 26 touchdowns to four interceptions, 70% completion percentage. He is destroying everyone, and they are not going to lose another game for the rest of the year. They play Florida International, which is very interesting. They really don't have much defense at Florida International. They gave up 31 to Central Michigan, 58 to Florida Atlantic, recently 45 to Charlotte. And this line exemplifies everything. But Western Kentucky, minus 15 on the road at Florida International, 76.5 is the over-under. Their team total sits at 46. There's a play here. I just don't know it yet. I don't think that total's moving anymore. But look for this game on the Instagram page for sure well before they kick. Uh, let's talk about another game we can't call yet, but let's just call it like we see it. Miami hosts North Carolina State. North Carolina State, number 18. Little shaky there. Almost lost to LaTac and a few other teams. Miami opened up a one-point favorite at Circa, and it goes all the way over to NC State minus three. Again, this is very similar to App State um, being at home playing Coastal Carolina. Almost the same line movement, except we can almost expect this line to go up. Because you're going to see people go, North Carolina State's number 18, Miami's 2-4. and four. And they're going to go, well, Miami also played uh, two top 10 teams in Alabama and Michigan State. Who in the hell has North Carolina State played? I don't think Miami's that bad. Uh, they lost to Eric King for the year. Probably a good thing. He's overrated. Tyler Van Dyke, the backup, has been an interception machine. And they still almost lost to Virginia, lost by two. Almost lost North Carolina, or almost beat Virginia, they lost by two. Almost beat North Carolina, lost by three. But it looks like when I've been reading, this kid's going to get it together. They're going to keep the game a little more inland for him. Big arm. We like him a lot. And why would Miami open up as a favor? I think Vegas is telling you something. We're not betting it yet. We're going to wait. But we will definitely, it's Miami or nothing, check the Instagram page for that well before that game starts. This thing might get up to three and a half. And that's a major move. So we're going to take that if we want. One more game tomorrow night. We have to talk about Memphis UCF over 63 and a half. I think some have it at 64. Look, there's some COVID issues right here, but I think this is a dead under Friday night game. 
We need to wait on this because there are some things that can change. We need to know what's going on with this Kobe, but there is some red flags in this game. If there are no red flags, this game flies over, even though UCF's quarterback is absolute garbage. That's okay. So keep in touch on the Instagram page there as well. If you don't have Instagram, get on there and just follow us or just text me, whatever. We're looking at that over. Uh, one more that we can't put on here. God, there's so many we can't put yet, but we have to protect ourselves. Um, is UTSA. I had to get away from that game. Texas San Antonio finally ranked. Uh, first time in school history. They go play La Tech. Opens up at four and a half. Gets up to seven. Down to six and a half. Now down to six. I had to stay away from this one. I don't think Rick Shaw did. I don't know. But I am saying be very wary of this game and the total. We may add the under at 59 in this game. But I need to see more. There's some question marks in this game too. And then we have a huge pro game coming up. The Eagles at Las Vegas. <laughs> we got Las Vegas last week. Well, obviously, we're going against them this week. We like the Eagles getting the three in Las Vegas for every reason imaginable. However, we cannot take the Eagles yet because we're almost a lock to get a better line, if anything. So I'll be following this one closely. So we'll be following Memphis UCF total closely, the Eagles line very closely. We'll be following Western Kentucky very closely and the Miami-NC State game very closely. Probably going to play all of those games um, 2011 on the year. We certainly know what we're doing on this end. Let's get to some games that will be on the docket. LSU goes to Ole Miss. How fitting. Lane Kiffin, who might change teams at halftime. Imagine if Kiffin just changed teams at halftime. <laughs> Wouldn't that be incredible? Oh, my God. LSU opens up a big dog, gets down to 9.5. Should have posted something last week, but I see it at 9.5 and, and 10 at some places. We're going to buy a half to get this to 10.5 or buy one from 9.5 to get it to 10.5. We rarely do this, but in this case, the line changed so early, there was no way to get ahead of it. We're not going to claim the 12-13 it opened up with, but I think after what LSU was able to do last week, since that second half in Kentucky, they've been running the football extremely well, well, well better than they have all year, which obviously isn't saying much. At the same time, though, you have Corral, who Kiffin says might not play. He's hurt. Well, he's definitely going to play. If he didn't play, the Heisman candidate, the line would have dropped a lot more than one and a half, two points. We would have dropped four or five, maybe six at that point, being as where he's the focal point of their offense. I like LSU right here. We are going to buy the half or one point, wherever you are, one point to minus 130, ten and a half. Rarely do it, but this is a rare situation in occurrence. We're going to have to do that. It looks like LSU could be figuring this out. Lane Kiffin versus Coach O. This all of a sudden became the most interesting game of the week, in my opinion. Nevada. Fresno State, Nevada's quarterback, Carson Strong, looks just like Colin Kaepernick, and he moves like him, too. And Fresno's quarterback, Hayner, coming off two weeks ago, four picks at Hawaii, and they barely even used him to throw the ball last week versus Wyoming. He threw under 100 yards. This kid's talented, and so is Strong. This is a rivalry game. Opened up at 60. The over-under was stripped and readjusted to 65. I think these teams can go. And I love them. There's going to be some nice weather. Going to be some thin air out there Saturday night in Fresno. We like this game to be up, up, up. The over. Give us on the docket the over in the Nevada-Fresno State game at 65. We like LSU getting the 10 and a half at, <clears throat> at Ole Miss. Pay attention to Western Kentucky on Instagram. Pay attention to Memphis on Instagram. Miami, North Carolina State on Instagram. And the Eagles are on Instagram. Maybe even the Charlotte game tonight. We might have a post on that. Charlotte, Florida, Atlantic. How does that game not go over? But you're in just check the Instagram. It takes seconds. Okay, those are the leans. 
Those are the plays. We may play them all. May play a few less, a few more. I don't know. Bed Bath Beyond. I think there's one more too. Ooh, you may want to look at Kansas State. I think L.A. Burns was talking about the Kansas State game. Good look there. I really want to take Iowa State laying the seven, but it's too much. I don't know. There's so much craziness. Brigham Young and the Washington State fiasco. But anyway, definite plays. LSU plus the ten and a half. And Nevada Fresno over 65. Check Instagram for everything else. couple things I've got to mention before we do white bitch of the week. I forgot to mention Chicago. Chicago cops, as you know, under the worst circumstances nearly in the country, Lori Lightfoot's leadership, consummate failure, classic far left inner city leadership, never works, can't work, has never, will never work. Uh, the cops can't do their jobs there. She's worried about climate change and everything. Kids are getting shot left and right. She's worried about COVID. More kids have been shot in Chicago, shot in Chicago since January 1, January 1 this year. Then kids have died from COVID throughout the country. That's a real stat. Go check it. So the cops are now going to Indiana. Indiana is a smart state, a red state, who is basically telling the cops, come work for them and good for them. And many cops are coming. One thing I had to also mention was the Adam Silver part of the NBA. The NBA started. Nobody really cares. Lakers took an L. Everybody's happy about that. But they asked Adam Silver about the John Gruden firing and he was so quick to say no comment it was almost funny now a smart no comment for him but nonetheless clearly he knows if it can happen to him it can happen to his boys over here in the nba or mark cuban or some wokey that he loves for some email from 20 years ago could come back to haunt but anyway the white bitch of the week patrick chun yeah he's irish not exactly you probably never heard of him He's the athletic director of Washington State, who made it clear that the firing, uh, the firing of most of the coaching staff and the head coach Rolovic, was a thing, and I quote, "months in the making." Months in the making, was it now? So that leads me to believe, by the way it was phrased by said person, that there was months to get this right. There was a lot of ways you could have got this right as an athletic director, but no, you couldn't wait to be this guy to pull this stunt so you could be the next nation's hero. Oh, you're not. You're a cuck and you're white bitch of the week. You will not be invited to the awards ceremony January 15th, but if your name rises again, you will most certainly be there. Congratulations. You'll be the second Asian, uh, (laughs) not the first. Uh, Andrew Yang beat you there a long time ago, but anyway. Hopefully you can join us at that seat. You are white bitch of the week. Where's Bro Exotic? The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic jumping on the sports channel. What's going on there, Pat? Uh, what's going on, deep, Bro Exotic? Uh, second command of Cal Church of Woke, Will Cardinal. What's going on, dude? Sick. Nothing. Actually, um, just was reading about. Uh, looks like, and you know, people understand there was Woken Token, Buffalo Riot Wings. We've had, uh, so much success, but and now I believe we're getting into the public sector. I believe I was reading about this. I know you're involved. Um, South Left, not to be confused with Southwest. South Left. A very um, woke airline. It looks as though I'm not really sure what's going on. I know you are involved. 
Why yeah. don't you go ahead and just, I'm scared to ask. Why don't you give us the background on this? So, yeah, do you were involved with South Left uh, absorbing Southwest. It's the uh, the first federally uh, owned airline. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's free, obviously, through uh, federal funding because they're reducing the education fund uh, in the budget because we've learned that by ending textbook production and switching to critical race curriculum, uh, word of mouth education about the evil atrocities of whites, uh, which side note, we, it helped us confirm that our theory that the SETs are culturally biased towards people of color and oddly pan phobic in the reading sections. Uh, but it, uh, it nonetheless, uh, nonetheless uh, opened up the budget for a little bit of uh, free woke air travel. Hmm. Okay. So free as in anyone can just get on here. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, cutting, uh, cutting back the, uh, the education spending, uh, yes. fr- freed up a lot, you know, so that we can not only give free, w- uh, woke air travel, but also implement, uh, critical race curriculum, uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the country. Is that going to be performed on the airplane? Oh, uh, no, that's just an added benefit. Uh, the, oh, okay. this, the, okay. the, the edu- yeah, the, the education benefits don't really apply too much to the airlines. It was just kind mm-hmm. of a, uh, you know, it's, kind of a uh what do you call it in uh a lanyard yeah it's kind of yeah, a lanyard little, little extra right little, yeah, little, little extra. on the side great great right yeah, i didn't know so, if uh, we actually were gonna have to theory up there on the big screen at ten thousand feet in the air wherever we southwest has notoriously had some ridiculously woke stewards and stewardesses i used to fly them a lot i just can't take it anymore um, they would fit right in with South Left. It's almost like a natural transition. Are you just going to keep those people, especially the ones that didn't like walk out because they didn't want to get vaccinated? Or is there a whole new hiring process? Or can you just keep the woke ones from Southwest and kind of move them over left? <laughs> no yeah, so we're actually just, yeah, we're keeping our woke ones and we're just promoting within uh, our woke communities because there really isn't too much of change here, except for a, a, a few mandates that we have. Uh, we're now requiring butt masks. And you might ask why we're doing that. Well, that's just gonna, do- well, why would I ask why? You're gonna, yeah, go ahead. I mean, it makes sense to me, but sure, tell, tell our audience why. So yeah, <laughs> so we're requiring uh, butt masks now when you uh, enter our planes. Uh, it's due to the new COVID strand AY 4.2, uh, aka Delta Plus, which is on the rise in the UK. Uh, this strand produces ass COVID through farts. So the uh, the Fed has hired Pampers to produce a courtesy ass mask for each passenger to discre- uh, decrease the uh, spread of ass COVID, you know? Um, it's it's something that we take very seriously here. Um, this is tax dollars just going to good use. I mean, of course, right? Absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so another, another uh, you know, another great feature about uh, South Left is, um, you know, since there's a low non-binary equity in air travel, uh, in the air travel industry, Oh, yeah. uh, the Fed has uh, instituted air affirmative action. So now all self-left employees will consist of half cisgender and uh, half non-binary personnel. Uh, you know, because it's self-left, the most important part of air travel is safety for gender inclusion. Oh, uh, there it is. There it is. Okay. <laughs> but not only that, it's not only not, not only that, though, we are, you know, looking out for the safety of uh, the physical safety of our passengers. And, um, you know, that's why, like, you know, if there's any excessive turbulence, you know, your o- oxygen mask will fall and obviously it must be worn over your COVID mask. Um, but along with that will fall a booster vaccine in case anyone farts due to anxiety 
Uh, and I can't stress enough the urgency of preventing A, Y, E, and 2, because uh, this strand of ass cancer is really going to devastate the world. And <laughs> Southwest uh, takes the impending threat very seriously. Uh, well, one thing I take seriously is drinking on airplanes and the fact that you really can't do it much anymore unless you're on Delta. Well, so- I'm very glad you brought that up because the uh, we, we do if, if you do want to enjoy Southwest, we only uh, include one beverage. Um, we only provide Kool-Aid because we just want everyone to drink the Kool-Aid. Got it. Um, what, no vodka I can put in the Kool-Aid or no? Nope, the Kool-Aid will do. Just drink the Kool-Aid we provide. Everyone drink the Kool-Aid. So it's just like, you know, don't be a menace. Don't ask no questions. Just just give the money. Just drink yeah, the just, Kool-Aid. Just, just drink the Kool-Aid. Got it. All right. Well, I mean, you pretty much laid out the blueprint for your airline here. Federally funded. Uh, complete left job, just nut job, leftist airline. It makes perfect sense to me. You can only drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, you're taking all the woke uh, stewardesses and stewards, moving them over. Yep, this promoting from within. All these things just really check the... Seems like you've done it once again. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I've looked forward to about this one. Anything you want to close with? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Bro Exotic, B R E A U X Exotic, and uh, no joke, stay woke, bro. Thanks for jumping on, man. Stay woke, bro. All right, cheers, dude. <laughs> Down drill, Sergeant. Go! Why did you put that weapon together so quickly, go? You tell me, too, drill, Sergeant. Jesus H. Christ. This is a new company record. If it wouldn't be a waste of such a damn fine enlisted men, I'd recommend you for OCS private go. You are going to be a general someday go. Well, the world's going to hell. Uh, this administration is just plank by plank ripping the pier out from the lake all the way back to the house. Good thing to have you on the Tommy bench. Maybe you can shed some light on what's happening now with our friends in China. What's going on there, Chief? Well, if we were going to hell in a handbasket, at least we'd have some container with which uh, we were traveling, but I don't even know if we're going to hell in a handbasket or we're just on a, on a glide path there at hypersonic speeds. Yes. Hypersonic speeds. Why, why has that been in the news? So recently it was uncovered by the financial times, which is sort of London's wall street journal. They're, they're slightly more right of center, but again, being right of center in London, still means you're probably three steps to the left of Leon Trotsky, but we'll, we'll try to give them their due. Yeah. Financial Times broke a story about the Chinese successfully testing a hypersonic missile that appeared, now of course the Chinese denied this, they say it was just a spacecraft, but it appeared to, uh, from, from the reporting, possess the possible capability of carrying a nuclear payload. All right, so let's let's unpack this a little bit. What are we talking about? Why is this such a big deal? I mean, sure, China has missiles that can launch nuclear payloads all over the world, like most major countries, us, Russia, China. Um, you know, not a surprise. What, what makes this so special? Okay, hypersonic technology. I remember first hearing about this in thermodynamics class when I was at the Naval Academy going through a mechanical engineering curriculum. And it's impressive. It is an impressive technology. It was, it was really cutting edge 15, almost 20 years ago um, when I was going through those engineering classes. And it's, it's something that, especially Russia and China, but even the U.S. has been investing in, but they've really been investing in it. They, they, 
it, it's apparent by how much the Chinese and the Russians are investing in this. They view this as a technology that if they can get on the leading edge of, it could radically shrink the delta between our military power and their military power. You know, we've always enjoyed, at least since the end of World War II, and especially since the end of the Cold War, this this unchallenged uh, prominence as the sole military power in the world. Nobody nobody would challenge us on a ground war, you know, a, a nation state ground war. Uh, these technologies such as hypersonic missiles and artificial intelligence are ways that our adversaries see that they could close that gap. All right, so what is it? So, so we all know what subsonic is. That's slower than the speed of sound. Supersonic is faster than the speed of sound. Hypersonic, kind of one of those terms, you know, some people would be like, well, it's three to five, but it's, it's many multiples times the speed of sound. Air, uh, craft, whether they're unmanned vehicles, and, and to date, all of them have been unmanned vehicles or missiles or things of that nature that can travel many, many, many times the speed of sound. And they utilize a technology where in traditional turbo jets, which when you're riding a commercial plane, you look out the window and you see the things with the spinny things inside that bad guys in movies get sucked into and then spit out the back end of. Those are traditional turbojet engines. And what they rely on is they, they get a turbine spinning fast enough and then they inject a fuel into it and combust that fuel and that keeps things spinning. And as long as you're feeding more fuel in there and that creates thrust out the back end. <clears throat> Hypersonic missiles, there, there are a few different types, but, but essentially one of the things they rely on is getting up to a certain speed. And when you get up to a certain speed, the, the principles of airflow and fluid dynamics and Fluid dynamics encompasses gases such as oxygen and air and how they flow through things. It doesn't, doesn't mean fluid is in a liquid fluid. Just fluid dynamics start doing some interesting things at high enough speeds where you can remove a lot of the moving parts and, and you just, by shaping the cavity with which the air travels through and it's already going at fast enough speed, it you, you, there's very little other inputs that you need to put in there and it is able to combust the fuel that's put in and there's very few moving parts and then it spits out the back end enough thrust to, to achieve these incredible speeds. Again, not just well, like reading, two to three. I'm reading five times the speed of sound. Five times the speed of sound. So to put that in perspective, five, now, an interesting thing, when you actually look at a Mach scale, it's actually relative to altitude and temperature, and there's a bunch of things that affect it. But generally speaking, five times the speed of sound is on the order of magnitude of 33 to 3,500 miles per hour, sometimes a little bit faster, sometimes a little bit slower, depending on uh, some you know, ambient air factors. Let's just say 3,500 miles per hour. So at Mach 5, you could get from New York to San Francisco in about an hour, right? I mean, that's pretty incredible. And, and Mach 5 is kind of the lower end of hypersonic technology. There are technologies that we, the United States, are working on. We're working on the most complex type of hypersonic technology. And, and there are some estimates you could achieve 10, 15, 17 times the speed of sound. Okay, and that's Trump threw that out there. And there, there was a test that DARPA, which is the... Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. They're the ones who do all the secret squirrel stuff for us. Oh, I thought they were able Dharma from Lost. The Dharma initiative. No, the Dharma is Well, it, it probably came <laughs> from there. But um, sure, 
So, so we, we're working on this. Well, all right, so why is it a big deal that China and why has it been in the news? It's a big deal because while we were aware of that they and Ru- Russia are working on this, we were totally caught off guard. In fact, if you Google any news stories, somewhere buried down, you'll get something in there about a central piece of the reporting is that our intelligence agencies were completely surprised by this. They, they, they did not have an accurate assessment on where China's hypersonic technology missile program stood. They didn't understand that they were working on and, and close to developing and then testing, live testing, a hypersonic delivery vehicle capable of carrying a nuclear weapon. They were completely caught off guard. And, and to put things into perspective, if China has a vehicle that's capable of entering low orbit, traveling at Mach 5 or Mach 6, you're talking about being able to get a nuclear payload from mainland China to the United States in between two to three hours, depending on where in the United States you want to strike. And what makes it even more concerning, the bulk, almost the entirety of U.S. missile defense is focused on things coming over the North Pole. So things from mainland Russia or even mainland China coming over the North Pole, arcing over and attempting to strike uh, you know, the continental United States. This delivery vehicle, because it does not have to rely on the sort of trajectory and missile dynamics of coming up and over the North Pole, it could be sent around from the South Pole. It could just be sent straight over the Pacific Ocean in a low Earth orbit, making it exceedingly difficult to knock out of the sky. Plus, this particular uh, hypersonic vehicle uh, from the reporting is able to adjust its trajectory in flight, which is really incredible. One of the reasons we're able to have some success with you know, anti-ballistic missile technology and, for instance, why the Iron Dome in Israel is so effective is there, the technology, the radar technology is able to fairly accurately map out, oh, okay, we see a missile coming. All right, we do a bunch of math, a bunch of calculations. We have a real good idea of where that missile's headed and, and you know, you, you plot it out. Oh, well, it's, it's headed toward D.C. That makes sense. Well, it's got to follow this glide path from where we first picked it up. And, okay, fire away a bunch of, you know, cruise missiles or other type of anti-ballistic missile um, devices to, to go intercept it and knock it out of the sky. This vehicle, the idea that it could travel, you know, three, 4,000 miles per hour and adjust its course makes it nearly impossible for us to stop should it have should it be armed with a nuclear payload? Okay, so, so that's why it's a big deal. Essentially, what, what China has done is they've taken a step forward, right? They're, they're, you know, we've all been running the ball. They've thrown the first forward pass. It's, it's almost that big a step forward in terms of nuclear weapons deployment. They're the first ones that are attempting to field a hypersonic nuclear weapon delivery vehicle. It's it's they've just thrown the first forward pass in the game of football. okay, and we're still, you know, running the power eye, not even not even wondering what a wide receiver is. The bigger problem, and I discussed it earlier, is the fact that our intelligence agencies were completely caught off guard. Now that we understand what the threat is, and why it's such a big deal. We spend 
tens of billions of dollars on our intelligence apparatus. The, the rough estimate is somewhere around 80 to $90 billion a year. That, the, the figure is not precisely known. I understand that. We shouldn't tell our adversaries how much we're spending on our intelligence apparatuses. But the fact that we're spending tens of billions of dollars and we don't even know that our chief adversary on the world stage, if people haven't figured this out, we're, it, it, look, Iran, they're saber rattling. All right. If they get a nuke, that'll be a problem. OK. Uh, you know, terrorism. Yes. That, that Look, that's going to be like Corona. It's going to be like COVID. It's just always going to be around. There's always going to be some whack job somewhere. You do everything you can to make sure they don't get a weapon of mass destruction. You make sure they can't fly planes into buildings and, and, and you, you fight them as much as you can on their turf. It's just going to be a condition of, of human existence for the rest of eternity. But when you look around, it, it's really China and then a distant second is Russia. And Russia can largely be checked with our partners in Europe as, as long as we don't let them become too beholden to them with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that we talked about last week. And, and now we start seeing how all this stuff ties together. And, oh, this sounds like a conspiracy theory. And it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just looking at what's out there and, and seeing how it all plays together and how it all connects. So our intelligence agencies, you know, they have the time to put together recruiting advertisements that emphasize as, as a cisgender Latinx woman with ADHD or whatever anxiety issue, I feel at home in the CIA. Really? Is that what the CIA should be doing? Should the CIA be out there? To, how do we make people feel at home here? Or, or how about we just populate the CIA with people who want to make sure they know what our adversaries are up to? How about instead of, I'd love to know what their DVE&I budget is. Because if it's more than like $7.37 that they're spending on diversity, equity, and inclusion at the CIA, it's, it, it's about $7.36 too much, okay? Every penny they have should be focused on understanding what our adversaries are doing and offering guidance and advice to the National Security Council, the Department of Defense, and the other, the other departments in the government on how they should craft strategies to stand as a check against our adversaries, knowing what we know. It's utterly embarrassing that we have an intelligence apparatus that can't even keep tabs on our largest adversary, which is China, <laughs> period, full stop. That's who we need to worry about. Hypersonic technology, artificial intelligence, um, you know, integrated uh, integrated chips integrated with humans. I mean, you know, if you don't think they're experimenting with that kind of stuff, uh, you got another thing coming. They are dumping billions of dollars into closing the gap between their military technology and ours. And they've got the benefit of they can just start stealing our stuff. And then it looks like they've actually found a way to, to leapfrog us in, in one way in fielding a near complete delivery system. Now, there is one asterisk and something that is getting glossed over by people who are using this as a chance to beat up the Biden administration, which, which is, is somewhat fair to do, although the lack of investment in our intelligence apparatus focused on China goes back, goes back 20 years. It really does. And, and, you know, a fair shot at the Bush administration is there was too much of a focus on terrorism, but I think we all understand why. But still, you got to walk and chew gum. We should have been paying attention to China. Obama didn't invest in it. I think Trump tried to, but look, in hindsight, should, it, should there have been more of a focus on building out intelligence infrastructure, not just engaging in tit-for-tat tariff wars, but should we have been making a very robust intelligence apparatus focused on China? We should have. 
The other thing I'd like to know is how much is the CIA spending on its uh, global warming threat assessment? Because that's something they're real proud of now. They have an office of global warming threat to evaluate intelligence threats from the lens of global warming change. Really? Really? Is that what we need to worry about is 100 years from now, it's going to be a little bit toastier outside? No. How about we worry about the country that's trying to figure out how to put a nuclear missile uh, on our doorstep in under an hour? Maybe that would be worth our time. But no, what do no, I know? No, yeah. What do I know? I'm still cheering for the Eagles, thinking they got a shot to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, well, probably a better shot of, uh, no pun intended, hopefully a better shot of the Eagles making the playoffs and them shooting over a hypersonic nuclear missile. Um, but it can't be any more ridiculous than the fact that we just promoted that thing from Pennsylvania to – explain to me – are you done talking about this yet? I'm done. I'm done. I don't have anything to add here it's way over my head sounds pretty scary but this levine character this thing from pennsylvania that's sworn in to be an admiral of like the like the the merchant marines or something the Nash- I don't know. all right what- so so here's the it is and it isn't as big a deal as some people are making it out to be it's not as big a deal from the standpoint of the national public health service is is technically a a, they're not a part of the Department of Defense, but but the senior level officers in that organization are uh, given honorary military ranks. Okay, so she was sworn in as a four star admiral. So it it is not unprecedented. In fact, well, he, I mean, it's a dude. He's got all the equipment to be a dude, and I believe he's fathered children. I think I could be wrong about that detail, <laughs> but uh, Rachel, he, I, I believe, is the guy's name. Is just the seventh guy to, to have this happen. So it's really nothing special. You know, in other breaking news, water is wet. But because he claims to be a woman, now he's the first transgender to be sworn in as a four-star admiral. Uh, in, in, and I'm not sure if they, they like do it through the Navy Reserve or the Merchant Marines. I, I'm not very <laughs> familiar with it. But I, it's, just, it's one of those things that happens. And look, nobody who's really in the military takes them that seriously. Um, but it's just it's one of those it's like the surgeon general right gets gets the title general they're not actually a general um so when i heard four star admiral i was like what i i was actually because i was paying kind of half attention listening to the radio driving back from an appointment today i'm listening to it and i was thinking like is that like a lateral move you just you you know It'd be like me just being a senator and then just being just like, hey, you know what? I want to be a general in the Marines. Or I don't know. Like I, I didn't. Then I read into it more and saw that it was, you know, it's the it's the admiral of the circus. Yeah, I thought it was the United States Navy for a second. Almost. No, no, she's an admiral in the Uniform Public Health Service. Um, But it 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 really is interesting that our people in charge of our public health service are confused about their gender and sex, but we'll just, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, don't think we'll just, too hard. We'll just leave that out there. Maybe next week we'll talk about Loudoun County, Virginia to really get excited. Oh yeah. Yeah. Blackface governor too. Yeah. We can, we can tie it all in. Uh, Dr. T is going to be coming back pretty soon. Uh, we have some more COVID runs. We want to, not runs, but just some COVID discussions. We want to run through him. Of course, you'll be on for that one. If that's not next week, it'll be the week after that. We'll see. Depends on what happens until then. But anything else you want to roll out with here, man? What's up? 
No, just, hey, if any of our faithful listeners are in the state of Virginia, make sure you go vote. Go vote. Yes. Got, a, got a big chance to send a message here. Yes. Virginia, purple Virginia. What are the odds of them going red? Boy, that would be a skid mark on this amazing administration and just the wonders they've done in the months they've been in. Everything is so awesome. Uh, yeah, man. It's great. Well, anyway, Tommy Bench, thanks for jumping on the show. We look forward to having you back on next week there, Chief. All right. Out here. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 71, Brood Parasite. Say what you want about Lane Kiffin. He keeps landing on his feet, keeps moving up in this world. He must be doing something right, but I think somebody else is raising his kids in that nest, but that's okay. Speaking of which, does he even have custody of his own kids? <laughs> 20 and 11 on the year, baby. Sure, and keep up with the Sports Antidote. Thanks to Bro Exotic. Thanks to Tommy Bench and Coach Ed Ogeron for jumping on the show. We look forward to having you guys on next week. Remember, reach out and touch a brother. Follow us on Instagram. Tell somebody about the sports antidote and keep it real. Anadotions. I'm outspoken. My language is broken into a slang, but it's just the dialect that I select when I hang. I play it cool. Cause schooling is off. Then I'm about to school